This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Special episode today, a special pop talk episode. Uh, But first, don't forget that you can listen to every previous episode of the podcast on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. They're all free. There is no paywall, so you can check all of those out. And we have a special episode today because brother of the show is back. Trey, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me in okay. your bedroom in our mom's house. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this. I am home for the holidays, uh, for well, for Thanksgiving, and then I'll be back in New York. But uh, that's a couple of days away. So since uh, it's, I guess, not the first time taking the podcast on the road, but uh, first time recording at my old house uh, and we're doing a pop talk episode where we talk all that pop about <laughs> pop culture and entertainment and this is a special episode that we've been gearing up for for a while uh we're going to talk a lot about uh the cw Flareoverse crisis uh um crossover they've been doing if you don't know they've been doing crossover episodes between the flash arrow which actually started the whole CW, DC comic superhero shows, uh, Supergirl, and then they've added uh, Legends of Tomorrow since uh, those two shows started, and uh, uh, Batwoman is on now, and they're actually bringing in Bla- Black Lightning, and they're doing a full across the board uh, CW series uh, Flareoverse crossover this year, and it's a, a real blowout because they are bringing in so much to it. So we'll talk about some of that stuff later. We are going to talk about other things, TV and movie related, before we get into just talking crossover stuff. So first topic, as I mentioned, it's Thanksgiving. We're in the holiday season now. Officially, we just passed Thanksgiving. So that means there's a, there are a lot of TV marathons to binge. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of TV you can watch and just watch one show all day. Uh, and there's a variety of stuff. What have you been watching? What are some of your faves? Been watching a lot of Andy Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy Griffith, I feel like it always works. Yeah, I think it's timeless. I've always thought it's like a top five, top three all-time sitcom that resonates regardless of what year it is even though uh it was shot and took place in small town well it took place in small town north carolina in the 60s but uh it still feels like it resonates today and it's yeah. not stuck in its time i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's in large part remain relevant because we're talking about how people interact with people. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to do that in small Mayberry, where mm-hmm. there are the same few people in town. And it's, it's easy to watch because it's also pretty wholesome. Mm-hmm. With a lot of heart. <laughs> yeah, a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of Forensic Files. I don't have cable back home. Forensic Files is on Netflix, and I haven't watched it on Netflix. So I guess uh, I don't have to watch it when I'm <laughs> at my mom's where there is cable. But... 
I have been watching that far too much. And um, it's just hard to watch. I've also uh, watched a lot of live PD uh, last couple of days because they've been doing marathons. And I never watched that show, so I'm discovering it now. And um, it's hard to just watch those shows. I mean, you're, well, Forensic Files is about someone who is murdered, and that can get hard to watch after a while. Uh, it's hard It's hard to a certain extent, but at least with Forensic Files, you're, they're catching a guy at the end. Another easy one to watch, too, for me was HGTV shows, but I don't like all of them. So some of them are easier to put on in the background mm-hmm. than others. But they're all like I hate when people say those shows are staged because like it's television. Everything is staged. <laughs> but when people say that, they're talking about it being scripted and not really just letting it happen. But it's all real. scripted. <laughs> I mean, I don't I kind of don't mind since it is. It, it, to me, these shows like House Hunters, Property Brothers, Love It or List It, those shows, they have people who produce them. And there's certain things that the hosts obviously have to be scripted. And when it comes to the home buyers, they're coached. They're heavily coached. So mm-hmm. I just don't mind it. I mind it when it's clunky. And I feel like there are a few shows that are popular that are clunky or just boring. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing is happening. So I've been binging those shows. What else have you been binging? I guess you've been catching up. Yeah, I was catching up. We obviously, topic for later, obviously, catching up on Flash and Arrow this week. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they had uh, new episodes uh, yeah. earlier in the week. Yeah. Before uh, Thanksgiving. And before I flew out here, I was doing a little bit of catching up on comedians and cars getting coffee. Oh, okay. Because rather than jumping straight to the Eddie Murphy episode, I wanted to fill <laughs> I did in the all same the same thing. That, that I, I saved that up. one for last. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that actually leads us into the next topic, which are uh, new TV shows that we've been watching and checking out. That's not a new TV show. It had a new season. And, um, I watched that when it dropped, I guess. Um, but there are a few shows that you've watched. You are better about watching new shows than I am. Yeah, I, can, I tend to have curiosity about them. And, and even a show that I don't think is going to be good. <laughs> I, I want to see, A, if I'm right, or B, how I might be right <laughs> or wrong. Uh, and then, like, one of the new shows... That, that I think you and I both had questions about was Bluff City Law. Yeah, which I have still not seen. Yeah, so it's I... NBC show right. with Jimmy Smith and... Or is it Jimmy Smith? Smith. It's Smith. Yeah, yeah. Smith. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Caitlin McGee, I think, is her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's a good cast, strong cast, Memphis lawyer. Mm-hmm. The, the, I think the problem you and I both had is it looked like they were trying to throw all the drama in there and be a little high and mighty or, or saccharine. And it was hard to gauge from the commercials if, if they were doing too much, right. trying too hard to pull at the heartstrings. Right. And, and I would say watching the pilot, I've actually eventually watched every episode except for what they're calling season finale even though it sounds like it may be series series finale (laughs) um but i think the ratings did have an uptick at the end so that Mm -hmm. might might affect its second season yeah so it's kind of on the bubble right uh but something about the pilot made me wonder 
is this going to be one of those shows that gets its footing in a couple of episodes and mm-hmm. it's a much better? So that's why that, yeah. that plus the fact that it was just on at an hour that was easy for me to stick with it because there wasn't anything else at 10 o'clock on Monday that I cared about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I ended up you know, kind of watching it live, so to speak. Uh, I would say they, they, the stuff that you and I had questions about, mm-hmm. in particular the father-daughter relationship mm-hmm. and her kind of going seemingly overboard based on the commercials about this perfect or not-so-perfect dad, uh, they abandoned that about midway through episode two. <laughs> I feel like I kept seeing commercials, and they weren't old commercials. There were new, com- like recent commercials where they were still sort of pushing that element of the show. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah, because in the in the pilot they talk about how she used to work for her dad mm-hmm. at the firm, but they don't really show any flashbacks of that. They just kind of tell us she she yells at her dad, "If I come back, it can't be like it was before." <laughs> and you don't and know like, why, right? I'm like, how was it before? <laughs> why? What are you talking about? <laughs> why make it a drama? I mean, a, like a mystery, like it's lost or something like that. Right. Right. And. There is a thing that they didn't show in the commercials mm-hmm. that I'm not going to say in case you do watch the pilot. Or if someone watching. Or listening. someone else decides to catch mm-hmm. up. But it's one of those things where it might have been nice to know that this is why she's yelling at her dad. If they said it before. <laughs> if they said it before. And even then, it was as if they put it in the storyline to justify her yelling at him as opposed to it really being <laughs> a story or character element. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like so. My initial theory was the reason the commercials were so saccharine is because they were trying to appeal to the "This Is Us" crowd because that is such a like mm-hmm. tug at your heartstring show. So now that they had this element of mystery in mm-hmm. the show of mm-hmm. like if things weren't like they were before, then I can go and making it making the audience think what happened before. They are absolutely trying to do "This Is Us." Well, it wasn't really done as a mystery. Like they tell us enough that we, we kind of you want to know. You like oh, you kind of know. Like it's just he must have not treated her like the other lawyers, sort of thing. But it was like a side comment where it's like, but okay, how bad was it really? (laughs) Yeah, no one died in a fire. It's not that bad. (laughs) Big of a thing. Yeah. But, you know, it it was just kind of one of those, a a thing that you and I hate that shows do is where stuff happens off camera. Yeah. So, I mean, we figure out, I mean, we know Mm -hmm. in in Bluff City Law what she means. But it's not great storytelling. But it's not great storytelling. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. Um, But the the other thing I'll say is the A and B storylines were the worst parts oh, really? of, the, of the first several episodes and maybe even deeper. There is this C story, and it was the only storyline that was a season-long arc. Like, everything else was, this episode is the such-and-such case. But the season-long arc, that was what done very well, and you ended up, that's another reason that I ended mm. up getting into it. And there is a big crescendo for it in episode three, and then it comes back later. Uh, because, again, I won't get into the specifics of the storyline, but it's just the nature of... The, the one part I'll say is someone was wrongly convicted of a crime, mm-hmm. of a murder, years ago. Mm-hmm. And so that's the season-long arc. 
And mm-hmm. so seeing how that plays out with trying to get justice for him and then how his life after, that's all the stuff that that ended up being good. Because for some reason, Jimmy Smith's this... And he's doing great as an actor. Right. But right. his character, this great legendary lawyer, keeps getting surprised by what seems like basic legal <laughs> stuff. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And and he was on daughter. L.A. Law, so he really shouldn't... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's pretty messed up. Well, that's too bad. Another new show, a show that I have not had a chance to see, but you did. We both were like interested in the show, especially at first, was Stumptown. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it, mm. but I liked it. And and that was the show last time we did Pop Talk. I, I mentioned I got so tired of the commercials. Yeah. Because ABC, that was like the only <laughs> new show that they kept airing I kept seeing for. it when I was at the gym. I wasn't even hearing it. I was just seeing it. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't maybe that's part of the reason why it wasn't getting so annoying to me. Still haven't seen it. And I'm sorry, ABC. I want to see it. For me, it's a show that I catch up on maybe two, three episodes at a time. Oh, I see. Because it's just it's almost an afterthought. But I'm, if not fully caught up, almost caught up. The thing that, that makes me not love it is the difficult line they're trying to toe with her character. Okay. Because she's clearly got PTSD. She was in the mm-hmm. Army before uh, some kind of special ops, something or another. Mm-hmm. And so, so that PTSD has caused her to to not be fully um, on top of her life, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, alcohol and, and other stuff like that. But she has a special needs brother. I think Down syndrome. I don't think they've said, but I think maybe Down syndrome mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Uh, and so she's together enough to take care of him. Right. But then there's all this other stuff. And, and so it's that line where it's like, She's together, but she's not. Like, how can you, how not together can you be to actually be that responsible? Right. Uh, That's interesting. Right. Well, that feeling sounds familiar to me because that's sort of the feeling I've had about living with myself, the show, or Mm -hmm. living with yourself. The Paul Rudd show on Netflix. Netflix. Mm -hmm. Justine and I watched all of them. And first, you know, we really were into it. But the last episode, maybe last two episodes, we got kind of down on it because mm-hmm. there were a couple of things that happened that just rubbed us the wrong way about the direction that they were going. So we're like, all right, well, I don't know what they're really going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean the the like twists and turns and surprises or anything that happened. Like that sort of stuff was sort of fine. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of moments. Like one thing that I cannot stand is when a protagonist is just standing there taking crap from whoever is throwing crap at them and yeah, they talk they about have an, that a lot yeah i hate it us. when someone just has an obvious thing they could say to explain their behavior but they're not explaining it just so the storyline can have that moment where the protagonist loses so to speak mm-hmm. and i don't like that and there are a couple of moments where he's being accused of something he obviously isn't doing and he's never saying why well, didn't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just sort of it's too obvious to not say. Right. Um, and I, so I just hate that so much that it just rubbed me the wrong way. Otherwise, Paul Rudd's doing amazing work, as one would expect. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone in the show is really solid and really great. And and Paul Rudd's always just funny when the, the moments. It's less of a comedy than I thought. Mm. Um, so we're seeing like just 
how great Paul Rudd is as an actor. And then like when the moments are funny, then he's really delivering. But it's it's an interesting show. There are a lot of things I really like about it. There are a couple of big things that I did not like about it. One show that we loved entirely was Unbelievable. Well, loved is a hard word to say because that show is about uh, sexual assault, mm. and so and its its depiction of it is very difficult to mm-hmm. sit through. So I don't love that. But as a show, it's an amazing show. Mm-hmm. Really great cast and who's um, in it. That has oh I forget her name she's uh, in Booksmart she's one of the leads oh in Booksmart. Caitlin Devers I think Devers yeah mm-hmm. that's it she's great in it she's really great in it mm-hmm. and Tony Collette's in it and um, oh, I fr- I'm blinking on her name but she's in uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff and she's won a Golden Globe and I'm I know her name I see her face great cast it's a phenomenal show that's mm-hmm. a really great show and we watch queer eye japan which is also a lot of fun <laughs> um it, we, we love that show nice what else were you about to mention i was just gonna say i think my favorite of the new shows is all rise on cbs uh, oh yeah yeah because that's pretty well done i've seen where people complained about it uh but i i don't see any of that because i think it's a well done legal show that's also a character study it's more about the characters and the legal stuff, but it, uh, the the way the judge and the prosecutors and the uh, public defenders and everybody else kind of cross paths, I think is well done, uh, and it's, uh, I, I think they do a good job of uh, depicting the different uh, socioeconomic situations of the characters without it being a hitting you over the head sort of thing. They they mm-hmm. balance all of that pretty well. It's uh, Simone Missick. I was just about to mention Simone Missick, who was yeah. on, got her arm cut off in, uh, in yeah. Luke Cage. Yeah, or um, the Defenders. Or the Defenders, yeah. yeah, before she was on Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, and it's or, got, you know, before she was armless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or one-armed. And the irony is She's that good. her best friend on the show is played by uh, Daredevil's Bullseye, oh, Wilson interesting. Bethel. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was Merritt Weaver. Is okay. the other person I was that was on Unbelievable? I was blanking on her name. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping it in television, the discussion in television before we jump to a movie part of the podcast. Uh, SNL is coming up at the end of the month, and it's uh, Eddie Murphy is hosting the Christmas mm-hmm. episode. It's a big episode, I think, in a few ways. For one, it's his first time back doing sketches since '84, '85. Mm-hmm. The uh, the year where the ringers were on, right? Billy Crystal, right? Yeah, and uh, so he hasn't been on to do bits in a while. He did go on in the 40th anniversary just mm-hmm. to do a presentation, but he didn't do any jokes or, or bits or anything. And um, also, it's a Christmas episode, and we have you know that's always a big episode, mm-hmm. and to have Eddie back for the first time to do a Christmas episode, that's just huge, huge, and uh, I'm really excited about it. What are you hoping happens or anticipating will happen? So because of the movie out now, <laughs> Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hoping that they do a Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood where, especially if Tom Hanks can make an appearance, right? where they do some sort of tie-in to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I was already expecting them to do Mr. Robin- Robinson's Neighborhood, but yeah... Now that that movie is out and you have one of the best hosts of SNL ever playing Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers, it'd be great if they could do a 
not just a spoof mm-hmm. of the movie, but mm-hmm. also have Tom Hanks in the episode. That would yeah. be really great. I I am hoping they pull all the stops. The episode with Will Ferrell brought Tracy Morgan. I was mm-hmm. like, I hope they still bring him back for Eddie. Mm-hmm. I hope Chris Rock's back for Eddie. I hope mm-hmm. they bring in Dave Chappelle and Leslie Jones has to be back for mm-hmm. Eddie. I just I want to see. Uh, uh, all the people who love Eddie and are disciples. Of well, I'm Eddie even thinking there. like his castmates, Joe Piscopo. That'd be cool. Julia Louis Dreyfus. That would be really cool. You know, folks Piscopo like could be on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope uh, uh, David Spade's on, and he can make a joke in David Spade's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, no, I'm I'm extremely excited about that. December is a big month for things I'm excited about because. Not only is that episode happening on SNL, but the movie that I was going to talk about is the new Star Wars. Mm -hmm. The final of the three trilogies, Mm -hmm. uh, the ninth episode called The Rise of Skywalker is coming out at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, all the commercials are all about like, it's the end. It's the final mm-hmm. one, uh, and it's kind of sad when they put you know, when they put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of sad, and, and even C three PO saying, "I'm taking one last look at my friends." Oh, I hate that, and like I, that came on the other day when I was in the room with, with mom, and she was like, "What are you gonna do to him?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't like whatever it sounds like they're about the to do to him." Something's <sighs> up. I don't like it. I don't want anything to happen to C-3PO. I mean, he's just a droid. Just leave him alone. Mm-hmm. You have to end him. Ah. Leave him alone. <laughs> leave him alone. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it. I I had a real bad taste in my mouth after uh, the last one. After mm-hmm. the last year. I know it's... There are two camps. They either love that movie or they hate hate that movie with a passion one camp's bigger than the other (laughs) that's true but the people who loved it are i won't say they're as vocal but they are still fairly vocal about like no no i loved it it was like there are so many people like this is what so it's doing this it's doing that and that's what makes it so good it's like but it's kind of weird storytelling and execution Mm -hmm. so just because the mere fact that they are doing it doesn't Mm -hmm. make it good it still has to be executed well. Yeah, that's one where you know we talked about red letter media guys last time. We we watched their breakdown of of Rise. I mean, I'm sorry, of uh, Last Jedi, and, and a term they use is that it, he was subverting right. expectations. But he was subverting just for the sake of it. Like you do have to subvert expectations with something that big. You look at Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. There are certain expectations that we did not have going into it. And even with so many people predicting that either Tony or, or Cap. Cap would die, mm-hmm. they, they still did a lot of that stuff in a way that we didn't expect it to happen that way. But it served yeah. the story. Exactly. It wasn't yeah. just subverting to do it. And and one of the things that the Red Letter Media guys talked about is uh, the, the J, first J.J. Abrams movie, mm-hmm. Force Awakens. Which ends, I loved. Right. Ends with Ray holding out Luke's lightsaber to Luke. Mm-hmm. Then Last Jedi starts off with him just taking and going, yeah, throwing it behind him. it behind him, yeah. It's like, well, even if he is disenchanted with all of this stuff, even if, if he's lost his hope, 
he's not going to be that careless with it. And, and right. he's not going to drink that, that milk in such a way that he looks like a slob. <laughs> that, that's not who he is. Right. I can definitely see somebody losing their way, but he wasn't losing his way. He did not lose his way in a way that seemed like Luke would. Mm-hmm. It was it was like some other character all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Like uh, it was like a bummy guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, there's so much... And people were, I, I did hear the other day someone complaining about like the slightest thing happens and he's trying to kill his son, mm-hmm. his, his uh, nephew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't know. There are a lot of things I don't like about that movie. And I don't want to go on and on about that because it would be a whole podcast of me just griping. It wouldn't be fun to listen to. Uh, but the new one, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really like the characters. I'm glad. That was one of the things I didn't like about the last one too was that. I felt like they all were separated, mm-hmm. and uh, especially Ray and Finn were so great together mm-hmm. in Force Awakens. I'm and glad to have that we're a little see that. kind of maybe will they won't they sort of thing that, right. that Ryan Johnson abandoned to bring in some new character to all of a sudden kiss. Yeah. Right, uh, <laughs> we're gonna subvert things. Let's subvert the whole uh, BS of somebody falling for somebody and kissing them at an inopportune time. <laughs> Uh, in a movie, like the the most overdone thing in movies is they fall for someone too easily, too quickly, mm-hmm. and then they kiss them when like death is all around them or, and tackling or somebody who's trying to save everyone right. in a way that could kill the person right. that you're tackling. So so stupid, uh, <laughs> so so very stupid. But Knives Out looks amazing, and I really want to see it. And I really genuinely like his other movies that mm-hmm. I've seen because uh, I I really liked Looper and Brick. Uh, but oh well. Uh, I hope Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a stormtrooper at least in Last Jedi. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to Force Awakens. We'll have to make sure we go see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, supposedly J.J. Abrams. Well, not supposedly that he said this. He did say that what Ryan Johnson did didn't mess up the trajectory mm-hmm. of the storyline or the characters. Now he kind of had to say that. Yeah. So I, I, we'll see. He's he's also more diplomatic and, mm-hmm. and everything um, than, than maybe some. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, uh, it's we'll see what happens with Star Wars after this movie because mm-hmm. they had a lot more planned. And the, the Mandalorian is helping mm-hmm. uh, because it's supposed to be so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, I haven't gotten Disney Plus yet. Yeah, not yet. I'll get it. And uh, I think everyone should. More um, to come. <laughs> we got more to come. I can't say why. No, but uh, uh, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. And I do wonder what they're going to do with the franchise. Han Solo, kind of the solo movie, ruined apparently a lot mm-hmm. of expectations for where the franchise would go. They had a lot of things planned that they put on the back burner or ended indefinitely. But I think Mandalorian will maybe kick some things into high gear mm-hmm. with some of those potential product projects. I don't know what they could do. They do have a new video game out though mm. that I think has gotten some good reviews. So I think, uh, I think there's still hope, no pun intended for, uh, for star Wars. It's interesting the way they're executing though. Cause they seem to feel like everybody from the original trilogy had to die in order for them to move on into star Wars stories. And, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, yeah. Marvel proves that, yeah, Cap and Cap is retired and old, and Tony and, and 
uh, uh, Natasha, Natasha died. Natasha, yeah. But there's still some originals there, and there are people who've been and around the, a little bit. And there is going to be a Black Widow movie. Right. Yeah, so... With a possible passing of the torch, sort of. Mm. So, you know. There's stuff that can happen. There are more characters in the world that people are even familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Poe. I think Poe's a great character, and I think um, uh, Isaacs is great in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm excited to see what happens. That Well, the one thing that was sort of not super into about the newest Star Wars trilogy is that it was mostly about new characters that don't necessarily have anything to do Mm -hmm. with the old characters. Mm -hmm. But I also understand why that was necessary. I mean, um, you can't really have a movie of like Luke running around trying to do anything. It's just, Mm -hmm. it does seem like their chapter ended to a certain degree, but I just, there doesn't seem to be as much uh, mm-hmm. connection with these characters outside of Kylo Ren slash Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the main topic of the episode, the CW Flareverse crossover episode or event that's happening uh, with Crisis. And first, uh, let's talk about this thing you sent me recently. It was a recent post on tvline.com about the uh, Arrowverse's or Flareverse. Uh, I guess Arrowverse is mostly that's, said. Yeah, that's the official name. To me, it makes more sense to say Flareverse because there wasn't a verse until there was a second show. Mm-hmm. But everyone says Arrowverse because that was the first. Yeah, which I, I don't <clears throat> give them respect for that. Mm-hmm. But they did, tvline.com did an article about the biggest crossovers and they ranked them from worst to best. And mm-hmm. They did not count things where, like, Felicity showed up somewhere to mm-hmm. help Cisco or whoever on some other show. Because mm-hmm. uh, that really isn't a crossover. Right. But they did do... They did include when Flash and Arrow were on each other's shows in mm-hmm. big ways. And when uh, Flash went on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Which was a huge episode. Mm-hmm. So they, they ranked them. And let's just go through what their rank was before we say what we agree or disagree about and what mm-hmm. our rank would be. So this is one of those slideshow things that they did. And number seven was Legends of Today, Legends of Yesterday. That was Flash, uh, was that second season, episode eight, and Arrow, fourth season, episode eight. Mm-hmm. The backdoor pilot, essentially, for Legends of Tomorrow. Right, <laughs> and it had... Um, Two characters I really didn't care for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Hawk Girl and... Hawk Man. Hawk Man. I just... I was not into them. I mm-hmm. just never liked them. I'm never... For, I never, like, was, was sad to see those characters go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number six was World's Finest, which was the episode I mentioned of Flash on Supergirl, which is actually an episode I love, so uh, six is a bit low for me, mm-hmm. maybe... Elseworlds, the last crossover, mm-hmm. was number five. And um, number four was Duet, which was a musical, the first, the first and only musical episode in the Arrowverse, and it mm-hmm. was a, a Flash and Supergirl crossover. Mm-hmm. And then another Flash and Arrow crossover flash versus arrow and the brave and the bold that was number three yeah, that's the very first of the fl- of the crossovers was that one yeah and a great episode mm-hmm. or a great couple episodes and then the invasion episode that was the uh, a big crossover that they did <coughs> that included 
the Legends of Tomorrow who were not in, unfortunately, were not in the the Invasion mm-hmm. crossover from... And uh, that was season. Supergirl's first... I'm sorry, I said the Invasion episode, but the... Uh, they weren't uh, Else Worlds. They weren't in Else Worlds. Yeah. And that was Supergirl's first. That was when Supergirl moved from CBS to the CW. Mm-hmm. And at the eleventh hour, the CW uh, president said, "Oh, and Supergirl's going to be part of the crossover." It was the eleventh hour because that's when the move happened. <laughs> but but basically, he said, "Oh, and she's going to be in it." So her disappearances at times was because they hadn't figured out how to include her production wise. <laughs> yeah, but it was still a great one. That like, there were epic scenes in that one. There were. And then number one was Crisis on Earth X. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a huge one, and it was it centered around Barry and Iris's wedding. Until the upcoming crossover, Earth X is the only one that actually felt like a miniseries, as opposed mm-hmm. to characters being on each other's shows. And for one thing, just from a production point of view... That's hard to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you have so many cast members on each of the shows. Even if you just do the leads, Legends of Tomorrow still has it's an ensemble, so it's still a ton of leads. Mm-hmm. You can't do you can have Oliver and not have Diggle from Arrow. Mm-hmm. So you still really kind of have to have a few people from Arrow even and Flash. Mm-hmm. But it's just so much to get them all. They might all be filming in Vancouver, but to get them all involved, right? Because they all shoot a lot. each other's. Show. They they shoot their own show the same time that the other show is being shot. Right. So there's a lot of logistical stuff that the production crew has to figure out, and the AD and the directors and producers, good on them for figuring it out. And then the writing, also, they have source material to use in a lot of these cases, graphic novels to use. That's mm-hmm. what they're using as a basis for the crossover that's about to happen. But uh, let's get into uh, where we would put these these seven crossovers. Are they stacked right? I think seven is probably in the right place. You could maybe put it at six. Um, I think, even though I wasn't as into the Hawks either, Mm -hmm. I think for what the story called for in the crossover only. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Legends of Tomorrow. In the crossover only. I think the characters suited the story because mm-hmm. Hawkman was the right kind of jerk for mm-hmm. for how what this was that being done. Was, yeah. And I thought, because I, I re-watched this crossover back when Legends was in season one, maybe right after season one was done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Vandal Savage was actually a good character in the crossover. <laughs> and he was pretty horrible throughout, written horribly. Right, right. And Because and, he wasn't as foreboding mm-hmm. in the in the actual season of Legends of Tomorrow. But in the episode, you get why he's a scary dude. Uh, and, and so I think that setup was fine. It, I don't think it was as bad of a crossover as TV Line described. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that they could have set things up a little bit better. Like, why kill off Vandal Savage when he's got to be back in a month? Right. And for no apparent reason, Malcolm's just sweeping up the dude's ashes just to explain how Vandal comes back. Like, there are things like that. Uh, and I'll get back into that when we talk more about Crisis. But there are things like that where it's like, why, why do it that way? And so, but seven you might put a little higher? Seven. I mean, well, not seven, but Legends of Today, Legends of Yesterday, you might put a little higher. If high. I put it at six, it's because I put duets at seven. Okay. Duets I could put at six or seven. D- the acting was great in duets. Yeah, the singing it was, fun. was great in duets. Yeah. 
I think the issue with duets is the way they squeeze, the way they use Music Meister. And mm-hmm. so, a little ba- background on that: Music Meister is not from the comics. Mm. He was a character who was created for a cartoon called Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Okay, where Diedrich Bader played Batman mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in that series. And so, it was kind of a purposefully campy, like Batman saying "old chum" and stuff like that <laughs> kind of cartoon. So Music Meister was made up for that, and he kept making everyone sing throughout the episode, like Black Canary singing to Green Arrow and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so because they've got all of these Broadway-level talents on Flash and Supergirl, they're like, we've got to find a way to make a musical, and we're going to bring in Music Meister. Mm -hmm. And, And so that was the premise, but they didn't really have a reason. Like, they... They stated a reason. <laughs> right. It wasn't a very but strong it, reason. But it wasn't it was, a strong reason. It was just like, you do love that person. Right. So go for it. Right. And like, yeah, we would have figured that out anyway. You didn't have to lock us in this ridiculous setting. Right. Uh, <laughs> Where they lost their powers and Music Meister's going, while Barry and Kara are in comas, mm-hmm. Music Meister's going around robbing banks and stuff. It's <laughs> like so weird. Yeah. I would probably put it last for that reason, too, but I really liked it. I right. really liked watching it. And, and the had song a lot of fun Running Home it. to You was yeah. excellent. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, I know it's, people are going to say it's corny for us to say that. Just because it's a, an original show, original song for a CW show, but you know, Grant Gustin's a great singer and he mm-hmm. delivers with that song. As did Melissa Benoist oh, in God, Crisis she's... on Earth X when she sang that same song. So both versions are great, and I thought the Super Friends song was good, uh, maybe even better than good. Uh, my other knock on it is those were the only two original songs for an hour-long musical episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, I still think Scrubs... I, now, I was not a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. People who, are, who yeah, swear yeah, by that yeah. show say once more with feeling is the best. <laughs> I'll have to see at some point. <laughs> I'm skeptical, but I think Scrubs is the best. I love Scrubs, though. I'm very biased, so I'll recuse myself. But um, <laughs> I'm super biased. I love the Scrubs uh, musical and, uh, and Scrubs in general, as everyone mm-hmm. knows. Everyone who knows me. So, yeah, that's a fair uh, number seven. So mm-hmm. what's your number six then? Is it so then, so it would then be that would be Legends, Legends of, of Tomorrow okay. and Yesterday? And where would you put World's Finest? They put it at number six. As I said earlier, I liked that one too much to put. That it was too six. good of an episode. That might have literally been the best episode of Supergirl season one. I think it. Ha- I think it is the best episode of season one, and arguably of season two. <laughs> it was like so of the first two seasons. It's right. such a. It's. I really just. I think something special happened um, on screen between Grant and Melissa. Mm -hmm. They have really fun chemistry together. And I think seeing them together made it exciting to see them in future episodes Mm -hmm. together. And they also had, they they were really smart. And I think part of this is because the episode was written by Berlanti and Kreisberg. Right, yeah. They were really smart. (laughs) Half of those people seem like good people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You you can guess at home which half. But, <laughs> uh, but they they were really smart about not just making it about what's happening in this episode. Right. They brought in stuff from both characters' past to help with the character development here, and it's stuff that spun them forward. Yeah. Uh, in particular, you go back to 
the very first crossover, mm-hmm. Barry and Oliver, Oliver training yep. Barry, mm-hmm. Barry not liking it at first, but then picking up on it and utilizing that training as a hero going forward. And then in World's Finest, same training for Kara. Case the place before you go in <laughs> right, yeah. sight unseen. And that's like great attention. The detail that I feel like these crosso- crossovers have had that people have overlooked mm-hmm. is that little details that happened in a couple of episodes of Arrow mm-hmm. is now being brought up as a big sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, the another place where we saw that attention to detail is the MCU. Mm-hmm. You know, when um, uh, Winter Soldier was on the other day. Oh, on your left. Right. So, like, I totally forgot that Captain America says that to Sam in in that movie in Winter mm-hmm. Soldier. Now, when we when you sat in the movie, you remembered it. It's just seeing no, it. No, no, no. I did not remember that when I was watching Endgame. So the fact that this one little line from mm-hmm. ten hundred movies prior mm-hmm. was used in that. Such great attention mm-hmm. to detail. And in the scene that you saw on Winter Soldier was actually a callback to earlier in the movie. Right. Because uh, it was when Cap and, and Sam were running around the, the, <laughs> right, right. the mall. Right, on your left. Right. And then oh, Sam was God. like, don't say it again. <laughs> and so now Cap's waking up from a coma saying, on your left. So right. That, and so it was great. It was great symbolism. Great. Because it wasn't just a callback for the sake of doing a callback. Right. And that's when callbacks are great, when it serves the story. Exactly. And I feel like the Arrowverse shows crush it at that. When they do these crossovers, especially when it's like Barry Oliver stuff. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot this season on Arrow, which mm-hmm. one of the strongest seasons of Arrow, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in the history of the show. They mm-hmm. really, really are pulling all the stops and doing their best work. Mm-hmm. They've written characters the best that they've ever written characters. Mm-hmm. Um, characters that were unlikable before are likable now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> it's been really really great since they're doing a whole swan song with uh arrow mm-hmm. obviously we're going to see a bunch of callbacks in the crossover but mm-hmm. let's go back to how we would let, lay this out real quick so we've put down the seven and a six mm-hmm. um five you're saying is what see they're else worlds or world's finest not because they're not good but because the they have that so many good. that are very good see i don't like the fact that either of those are as low as at six and five you know that like world's finest and else worlds are six and five it's like why why would those be six and five but yeah how what what do you put below them other than the two we already have you right. know what i mean it's right. just flash versus arrow and and slash uh, brave and the bold great episode great mm-hmm. episodes really fun love the dynamic between the two of them mm-hmm. love how we see them grow through how they work with each other and uh there are some callbacks to that um in, in elseworlds. elseworlds yeah the arrows in the back. elseworlds was just so fun for me I, I really really enjoyed elseworlds i think the knock on elseworlds for me is they didn't seem to know what to do with Kara. they didn't and they didn't have legends of, they didn't have the legends in it right which, because of the story they were telling, it's fine that the legends weren't in it. It was fine that it was a smaller one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they brought Kara in, they had her say dialogue to mm-hmm. try to show that, yes, she's smart and on the same level as Oliver and Barry. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have her do anything. It was like they were trying to tell, not show, mm-hmm. that she's mm-hmm. on that level. 
uh, like when Barry and Oliver were having that chat uh, about why they got mad at each other and they started to realize that while their body swapped, maybe they have to start acting like each other. And so that's when Kara comes in and says, I'm glad you finally figured it out. And it's like, well, why? If you figured that out. <laughs> why don't you just tell them? Right. Uh, yeah. And like even when they went to Gotham and she's talking about how Barry escalated things too quickly and uh, Oliver's not going to be able to talk down shooters. <laughs> and they're like, what would you have done? I'd have sped it, super sped out of here. And it's like, well, you could have done that too. <laughs> you didn't have to just tell yeah. them backseat drive after the fact. That's true. And then in her episode of the Elseworlds crossover, she was not there most of the time because she was in jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they seem to, I don't know why, but even on her own show at times, they have a tough time finding stuff for her to do and, and to be a leader. So it sounds like we would basically take duets and put it second to last. Right. Or maybe last, I guess. One It'll actually two. last. Yeah, probably last. Shift everything up from from the one spot that they're at. Right. Um, which I'm fine with. Well, let me see. Is uh, No, I would put uh, World's Finest ahead of Elseworlds, I think. Okay. I okay. Think. So you would flop the... You could switch those two, and then you'd put duets at the mm-hmm. bottom. Yeah. Um, so okay. seven is duets. duets. Six is Legends of Yesterday, Legends yeah. of Today. Or, or, well, reverse. Legends of Today, Legends of Yesterday. Okay. And uh, and five is Elseworlds. Okay. And then four, four is World's, is world's finest. finest. And then the three would be Flash versus Arrow for you and, yeah. uh, and Brave and the Bold. And then Invasion would be two. Mm-hmm. And one would be Crisis on Earth X. It is mm-hmm. pretty great. Yep. Uh, well, that's fair. I think that's uh, where I would put those as well. But I do enjoy them all. And uh, I'm extremely excited about... What's to come here? So let's talk about what we hope or need to see in the new crossover. One thing that I would point out uh, in in going into this crossover is that there is a Superman and Lois TV series that's in the works at at the CW that has been mentioned already. And the last crossover was partially uh, a backdoor pilot to Batwoman. So do you expect to see uh, more... Back to our pilot to the Superman show. Oh, the last cross. I got right, you what right. you're saying, yeah. But it, was all, it also kind of served, apparently, to help develop the Superman, because I think that's... They just didn't announce it then. Right. Yeah. And I'm assuming that they're also going to use some of this new crossover to help bolster that new mm-hmm. series. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And and that explains now why Todd Helbing left as the showrunner for The Flash, because mm-hmm. he's going to be the showrunner for the Superman and Lois. Uh, and The Flash is maybe the most consistent show. I don't know. People have argued with that. But out of the Arrowverse shows, so not including Black Lightning, it's maybe been the most consistent I'd, as far I'd agree as quality. Uh, because I think quality. The, the Thinker season is the one. Nah, right, season. right. But everything else has been pretty consistent. And this season has been really true to form. Um, The new showrunner has been doing a great job. And uh, I think the fact that 
Helbing is going over to do Superman and Lois is a good sign mm-hmm. for, for the quality of that show. People are too hard on Batwoman. That show is great. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and, and we've talked about this offline, not on the podcast, but I understand where some of the being hard on it came from before it aired. Right. Because... Not a great first trailer. Right. Or second trailer. <laughs> right, right. Like, it, we joke that did, did the person who cut this trailer hate the CW? <laughs> because the, the show is not at all represented. No. The quality of the show is not at all represented by the trailer. Not at all. And it's really unfortunate. And it was a disservice they did to the show because there are all these things that Trey and I were showing each other. Uh, YouTube... Uh, trailer breakdowns of Batwoman and they were all just like oh this SJW stuff and mm-hmm. blah 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 and then you watch it it's like oh it's not like like that um, also you just hate women I guess since that's all your point is <laughs> yeah cause a lot of those the trailer did look like they were gonna do superficial hit yeah, you on the head kind of stuff patronizing it did It I did see how a couple of those lines like uh, it will be perfect when it fits a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little patronizing to people mm-hmm. who were into... Yeah, because a real person wouldn't say when it fits a random woman. <laughs> it's when it fits me, because I need to go out there and be protected by some Kevlar. Right. <laughs> it just wasn't... Like, that line, I can understand why it rubbed people the wrong way, even feminists, mm-hmm. quite frankly. But... That's just not what the show is. Right. And and people were just jumping on some bandwagon to mm-hmm. criticize the show before it even aired, before mm-hmm. they actually saw an episode. Then a pilot comes out and people are kind of dogging it still as if they were still using the playbook of, oh, this is just going to be some SJW show uh, that's patronizing to the feminists. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. And it's been a really solid show, and I love Ruby Rose, and she's great, and the cast is great. And, and, this, and the social stuff and the political stuff in there is done... Smartly is done right. well. Is the done way with depth. Black Lightning does it well. Right. Yeah, I, and that's another show that doesn't get enough credit for how good it is, mm-hmm. or the viewers that the quality uh, I think deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, we watch Supergirl. <laughs> We've been complaining about the direction they've taken Lena. Mm-hmm. I've already talked to you about off air about how Lena is in this crossover that's coming up. And we all know that they just had their big blowout. Like, Lena told Supergirl everything about how she's been uh, trying to hurt her the way Supergirl hurt her. Uh, it's ridiculous. We haven't liked the storyline. You hurt me by not telling me you're Supergirl. And I'm going to hurt you by encasing you in kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've been just tricking you this whole time to get weapons, <laughs> to... Uh, just use you, do everything against you to hurt you in every way possible. The pettiest person in the world. And he's, and, and it's not the actress's fault. I think the actress is great. Uh, I think the, the character could be great, but I don't like the way she's written. Mm-hmm. I think that they have... Using a VR simulation for months just to beat Supergirl right. repeatedly. All the things that she's doing. She is a psychopath. They have written this character to be a psychopath, and they don't seem to realize it because no one points it out. And here's the theory that I said. I told you, and I'm telling the listeners now, my theory is that Kara and Lena are going to make amends. It's going to happen before the crisis. Because Lena's helping in the crisis. She's, there's a picture of her next to Alex Danvers, 
Kara's sister, Supergirl's sister. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see that. <laughs> and I think Kara is going to be defending Lena and saying, I was wrong. I should have told her my secret identity. And uh, she she was right to be that upset. And the only reason she did anything she did was because of what I did. And no one's going to point out, but what Lena has done is psychopathic. And they're just going to sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. and move right along mm-hmm. and everything's going to be dandy. You're right. Because I, I honestly agree with you that, that they, the writers don't realize that they have made her that bad of a person. <laughs> and there are still people, we, we read the comments in these different recaps, mm-hmm. there are people defending Lena's side. Yeah. They are saying, like, I understand what she did betray her. She, but you don't know what betrayal is. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend Evan, who's uh, been in a, a festival episode of the podcast before, because uh, she watches these shows. And she was saying, it's Kara's business. It's her, it's her secret to give. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have to give that information when Lena thinks it's okay. Mm-hmm. She should only give that information when she thinks she's okay with giving mm-hmm. that info when it's when she is ready to give her secret up one of and that's biggest, 100% right one of our biggest pet peeves of across most of the shows arrow is actually pretty good about the the folks keeping their secret identities until oliver admitted it to the cameras <laughs> yeah but before that they were smart they did it the way you've kind of got to do it if this were real life mm-hmm. Whereas, like, on The Flash, Barry shows his face to everybody <laughs> and their mom. Anyone he needs to get on the side of. Right. He's like, listen, uh, I no, know. you don't need to do this crime. <laughs> Takes right. off his mask. I know how you're feeling. You know why? Take <laughs> off mask. It's like, come on! <laughs> Just, uh, everyone in that town should know who The Flash is. He shouldn't even wear the mask anymore at this point. Right. Um, no, we love the show, but that is a funny thing about it. You know, I I think there was one comment that somebody made that, well, Supergirl did tell Jimmy <laughs> to... They said James. I say Jimmy, because he's Jimmy Hills. Yeah, we've always said Jimmy just to be funny. <laughs> and, of course, now he's saying call him right. James. Yes, so <laughs> it's all right. I just hated that. He was like, I'm James. He's like, no, you Jimmy. <laughs> You Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> but, um, Your name is Toby. Kuta. Kuta Kente. Oh my gosh. Chappelle show. <laughs> um, but we know that Kara told Jimmy to like follow Lena and like keep tabs on her and stuff like that. That, okay, fair, fair. But that's literally not a point Lena is making. And that's, <laughs> that, that. there was like reason to kind of like say, hey, what's going on? I know she knows something about kryptonite. You know, what's what's <laughs> happening over there? Right. <laughs> and then, like, all the stuff that... If you write a list of what wrong things can you say Kara did to Lena, what wrong things did, has Lena done to mm-hmm. Kara, the list is way longer for Lena because mm-hmm. she she's done so many things. Right. Oh, gosh. I think, I mean, if you look at it from a standpoint of secret identities and... And you keeping this from me hurts me. Better depictions were Daredevil, the TV show Daredevil, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not the <laughs> not the Ben Affleck movie, <laughs> but the TV show Daredevil. Because when Foggy found out, he wasn't going all "You betrayed me." Mm-hmm. He was like, "You might die right. being Daredevil," mm-hmm. and so that created that sort of friction. And then season two, 
when Karen didn't know yet, mm-hmm. the friction was he's going off being Daredevil, leaving her and Foggy holding the bag for the Punisher's trial. Right. So she's mad about that. Right. Not about him. I mean, even when she found out he was Daredevil, that probably just made it make more sense to her. <laughs> yeah. It was not like she was, you betrayed me. Right. And you look at, we talked about, you You were not a viewer of Smallville. Right. Yeah, I didn't want But I caught you up on the parallels between Cara, Lena, and, <laughs> and Lex and, and Lex Clark. And Clark. Yeah. Which, as a lot of people online and comments say, it's as if Supergirl just tried to copy that, those beats. And what Smallville did, it took literally seven seasons mm-hmm. for them to get to that point where Lex is going in on Clark. But it was because of the fact that they were brothers, mm-hmm. true brothers, and, and Lex hit Clark with a car in the pilot. And he's like, how are you alive? And Clark kept making up crap excuses that kept Lex being curious. Right. But then once they formed that brotherhood, Lex dropped it. Mm-hmm. And it's just other stuff, the darkness in him, Lionel pushing him. Then later, as Lex has a little more darkness, Clark actually pushes him away mm-hmm. and does stuff to actual stuff. Mm-hmm. Not just, you kept your secret, but actual <laughs> stuff. And and Lena had a line, you've treated me like a villain all this time. And I think they're just saying, they threw that line in there to try to justify it. But Clark actually treated Lex right. like a villain. Right. And then... For a season or two, Lex only is, didn't go. You treated me like. <laughs> okay, she didn't do the head bob. She didn't have that high of a voice. But uh, but Lex was also researching this quote unquote traveler mm-hmm. that there were legends about, and there's this group that knew something about it. The traveler was in fact Clark mm-hmm. coming from Krypton, but they didn't know all of those details. Now, Christopher Reeve was part of this group and discovered that it was Clark from Krypton. Mm -hmm. And so he was kind of a mentor figure. But the other members of the group never got that close until Lex finally figured it out. And the particular strands he was following essentially said, this traveler is dangerous to humanity. So Lex thought he was doing the right thing when he attacked Clark. Yeah. And the fact that he felt betrayed and you kept this from me and we were brothers. Think of the great things you could have done if we had worked on this together. Right, right. There's like all of this layers of stuff. Seven years of stuff. Whereas it's been two seasons or something like that for (laughs) Lena and Kara. And not even the full series. You know, it's just. Yeah. So it's a lot of mess and they're going to sweep it under the rug, uh, I think. Um, we'll see what happens. Well, it's, it makes me think, we, we said the one bad season for The Flash was the thinker season. Mm-hmm. So you've got all season where the thinker and his wife are trying to kill everybody, mm-hmm. kill Team Flash and send everybody back to being dumb mm-hmm. cavemen types. <laughs> and at, in the 11th hour, the wife turns on the husband. Mm-hmm. And so she's like giving Team Flash hugs on the way out. Like that, <laughs> that's what they're going to do with Kara and Lena. Is just they're going to hug right. it out. I forgot that they had him just like her just hugging with them. Just like, and she's just like going off on it. It's like no, she's just as much of a criminal. Right. Nobody turned her in. Nobody said, "All right, you helped us, but you know, you got some penance." <laughs> yeah, it was so. It, that was funny. And and Marlies, the the wife is the one who initiated it. She just kind mm-hmm. of put out her hands and started chuckling like, all right, let's hug it out. And That's everyone else sad. was like, okay. <laughs> oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, and I do think what they could also potentially do is let the crisis heal the wounds. <laughs> That's what a lot of people have as their theory, that somehow it'll reset that or 
or whether it's rewriting history or mm. going through it yeah. will help them to see that they're on each other's side. Well, we'll I'm, see. I'm starting to think that the episode tomorrow, so we're shooting this on, or film recording we're, we're, this on a, on a Saturday. Tomorrow, Supergirl comes on. I think that episode is the last episode before Crisis. Okay. I think it's going to be addressed somewhat there. Mm. The whole, I think some of what your prediction is might play out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think Before it is. Crisis. <laughs> Here's another theory I have. I don't think anyone's going to die. They are leading, they've been, since last season, saying like, Arrow's going to die. Uh, Oliver Queen, I've seen you die. Also, they've been since really the beginning. They've been saying mm-hmm. like Flash, you're gonna die, and then Monitor. The pilot says, episode of Flash started. Now. Right, right. So I don't think either of them gonna die. I, I think someone I, I, has to die. So I, I agree with you. <laughs> A, someone has to die. But I agree with you because the way the Flash is set up is not like in the comics mm-hmm. where Wally West took over as the Flash. Mm-hmm. If they, one of the th- one of the criticisms we have of the flash is that they didn't develop wally as well as they could have yeah legends of tomorrow did a great job job of developing yeah but even when barry was stuck in the speed force it's like the second somebody says bring me the flash it's like we got to get barry out it's like (laughs) let's let's let wally be the flash or, or even if he's still in the kid flash outfit let's let him be the guy for a couple of episodes and something really big happens right that that they need to go get barry and if they had done more of that and if keenan lonsdale didn't leave the 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 series flare over yeah, right. uh for other pursuits there could be there could have been the suspension of disbelief we could have believed all right, then one of the few times, if not the first time in television history, <laughs> you're going to kill off the, the lead and hand it off to the next one because there's mm. comics precedent. But because they didn't develop it that way, there's no way Grant Gustin's going. Like, you can't right. even bring yourself to believe that. I don't think they're going to, uh, yeah, I don't think they are ending uh, any of the main stars' contract. And we know since they're doing a Superman show, they're not going to kill Superman or Lois. Mm-hmm. Um, Car as the lead on her show. Now she her character dies in the comics, but one theory I've had about that, and it depends on what cameos are going to happen that we haven't seen news of yet. They're going to bring Helen Slater back to be Supergirl. <laughs> well, that's one possibility. Uh, another one I thought of, so that it would resonate with fans, a mm-hmm. death that would resonate, uh, but not kill off Melissa Benoist version of the character, is the Smallville version of Supergirl. Interesting. Because if you have Tom Welling there holding Kara the way you see that image in the Crisis books, for a lot of these viewers, it would mean something. Right. To a certain degree, I don't want them even to touch that. Um, at least she's not like Tom Welling. Mm-hmm. They better not kill Tom Welling. I didn't watch Smallville, but I really don't like the idea of people who created this new franchise in television messing with what somebody else did in another franchise in television Mm -hmm. because that's not your baby and so i wouldn't really like it if they did something like killed tom welling off the one thing that could save them from that argument that you're making is that uh the showrunner for batwoman was a writer on smallville Mm -hmm. and there is another writer who along with her wrote the episode that Tom Welling's in. Mm, that's so great. They, so they brought in some of the Smallville stuff. Oh, and, 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 and crew. Right. That's good. 
What are your predictions for what's going to happen? I kind of agree with you about Oliver probably not dying because it's mm-hmm. been talked about for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like too obvious now. Uh, so I, I think there there should be a way. Now, he did die in the comic version. And he's died on the show a couple of times, or at least once. Once. Rachel Ghoul killed him. Right. I just feel like back. they toy with that too much to actually do it this time. Someone major is going to die. I just I, I don't think it's going to be Oliver because it's been talked about for too long. So yeah. it's not going to be Barry because he's still got a show. Mm-hmm. Kara hasn't even been teased as dying, even though she dies in the comics. So I, I don't. I, that does not lead me to who I think will die. If they kill someone big, it would be actually kind of interesting if they did. Well, they couldn't do Doomsday, but if they did make it Superman, and then his series is about him coming back. Yeah, I think it. They could do that. But then it would mean that on his show, in a future crossover, they can't do Doomsday. And, and I think they should probably oh, yeah. try to do that. Right. Yeah, well. So I don't they know. probably will end up killing <laughs> Arrow then. Which I just don't like, because I want him to have an opportunity to come back somehow. Well, they did bring him back after he died in Crisis. I don't know exactly how, because I don't read up on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But... And I haven't even gotten, I still have a few pages left in the original Crisis, so I don't know how yet they've killed him. Mm-hmm. I just know Kara died about halfway through. Mm-hmm. Barry's already dead. He died about three quarters of the way through. Right. And I won't get into specifics, but there's a thing that they did with Barry foreshadowing his death uh-huh. that I'm surprised the shows haven't done yet, because I would have thought we should have seen it oh. already. Yeah. But But in case they do do it in the crossover, that's why I'm not saying it. But <laughs> I don't want yeah. it to be a spoiler. I don't and know um, really what to because they they augment things enough, and I, I think rightly so, to figure out how to tell the comic book stories in a fresh way. Plus, and and this is where I kind of, in terms of trying to make a prediction, I kind of messed myself up in a way by even reading <laughs> the original Crisis because yeah, certain anticipations. Well, it's not even that. It's that they physically cannot do some of the stuff <laughs> that's in here. Right. Not because of TV budget or anything like that, but because of yeah. all the people who are not. In well, just ex- like in MCU couldn't do any of the Civil War angle that involved Fantastic Four, which was a crucial part of right. Civil War. And the X-Men fought in right. Infinity War and stuff right, like that. Right. So, so they, they had to do their own thing. So I don't know how to predict how they adapt this to, to the show. Because hmm. um, you know some of the characters who were big deals in Crisis, the Green Lantern yeah. Corps and the and the Guardians, mm-hmm. they're part of how the Crisis was created. Yeah, in the comics. And then Batman, is Batman, a major figure, and he's not on the not in the Arrowverse in a direct way. Now he wasn't a huge character in the comic, mm-hmm. but he was in there mm-hmm. and, and tied a little bit to some of the foreshadowing of Barry's death. And his his villains and, and his family, his mm-hmm. Bat family, were big figures. The Teen Titans were huge Yeah, in the comics. And Teen in, Titans, in the crisis even though comics. Berlanti produces the Teen Titans show. It's a different Earth. It's a different Earth. Different. It's not part of this, unless they're pulling a fast one on us. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. And I think that those are the kinds of lies they should have told. Like, maybe some of these that <laughs> yeah. are going to be part of it, but they said they couldn't get it done. Yeah. Th- I think those are smart lies. 
Uh, but they did tease uh, uh, Kate Kane name dropped Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a way to introduce their version of her in Crisis because she's a deal in there. Aquaman's mm-hmm. a big deal. Shazam is a big character in Crisis, yeah. as are his foster family, family yeah. in, in, with their powers. I wish they really could go all out and get like movie uh, actors who played some of these characters on the show. Mm-hmm. I know it's like impossible, but... Yeah, you know, and, and there's also so the great. weird DC and Warner Brothers have inconsistent and weird restrictions. Yeah. So I don't know who they can use. Berlanti supposedly developing the Green Lantern show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot uh, about on that. HBO Max. Maybe that can be same universe or something mm-hmm. and explain this. Yeah. Um, I just think there's so much potential for a lot of uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. But in uh, moving on, there's also a ton of stuff that they've already hinted at or done something with or did something that maybe isn't lining out the way or lining up the way we thought. Uh, what are some of the things you think they have to address? I think they have to address how big in scope Crisis is. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the original newspaper and it's teased in the, on the Flash yeah. in the pilot, and and even when certain details changed, mm-hmm. the parts that, that were consistent was that Barry was fighting Thawne, mm-hmm. not the Tom Kavanaugh version, but the Matt Lesher version. Uh-huh. And they were then they were parademons and they were fighting and they got help from Green Arrow and the other people they got help from changed depending on what shows mm-hmm. and what characters had become. Because <laughs> I think Hawkman was Hawk one, Girl Hawk was Girl's in mentioned. the end of season one when they I guess had more hopes for her as a character in <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> and the Adam was uh, was going to be there. Uh-huh. Then when Supergirl came to the CW, they changed out Hawk Girl and put Supergirl <laughs> in there. I think they took out Adam and put. Uh, someone else i don't know uh-huh. who all was in the changing roster but it was really such it seemed like this small fight where it was just flash and reverse <laughs> flash and a few parademons right why would he disappear on this crisis so it seems like a small fight and now that we know that it's this all the earths might end right sort of crisis so right. it's not that small fight that's described in the article uh but still where are they going with flash how is he disappearing and he doesn't seem to be disappearing in the way that they set up originally on the show because i think what they originally set up at least implied if not said outright Mm -hmm. that when thon disappeared in a flash of light that's when he went back to kill barry's mother right and and that's when flash disappeared to follow him and they never followed up on why Barry could never come back from that. Uh-huh. Uh, but it still, again, seemed like small potatoes in this grand scheme of what Crisis is. My my guess is they didn't really know how much of Crisis they were going to be allowed to adapt. Uh-huh. So they just did the red skies, used the word Crisis, and had Barry disappear. And now they're actually being allowed to, to actually do Crisis. And, and that's one of the things we talked about this offline with Batwoman. It's tough when you're years in advance mm-hmm. or even in the case of batwoman one year in advance mm-hmm. of of the pilot mm-hmm. trying to develop something partially <laughs> that you have to follow up on later uh, so i think i'll give them a little bit of leeway on that right crisis. right uh, but it does seem like this smaller deal and my theory to you before a couple months ago is if you remember in the beginning of the season six premiere of flash mm-hmm. the time vault went down 
Mm-hmm. And so they no longer had access to the future newspaper. Right. And it rolled, we, the audience saw that it went from 2024 to 2019. Right. But the details were the same. Mm-hmm. No mention of Oliver Queen dying or disappearing or right. anything like that, which is another strange thing because we just saw a whole season of <laughs> Oliver's going to die. Right. Uh, and it should be in crisis, but the, the article's not, still not right. saying it. <laughs> and so in the beginning of season six, Time Vault goes down. Team Flash can't see that. Audience can't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they're fixing that article uh, so that it can actually meet right. the, the scape, scope and scale of what Crisis is really going to be. And yeah. it also keeps Team Flash from being able to cheat a little bit. And, and yeah, and they did uh, rightfully deal with that, too, with, like, Flash can't even go to the future. He mm-hmm. can't even run to the future right. to uh, check it out. They, they found a way to deal with that, which was smart. Mm-hmm. What else were you hoping to see or think they need to address? Assuming DC and Warner Brothers will let them do this, mm-hmm. I think they need to formally form the Justice League. Yeah. They've been the proto-Justice League for a few <laughs> years now, ever uh-huh. since the Dominators came. Right, They right. even showed the Hall of Justice. Right, right. So, how about you they all formally... They keep showing them in a line together. Like, <laughs> right. All the heroes standing right. together in the jump ship, or what, not the jump ship, but the legend ship. Right. I want to see how they're going to bring if they if they are going to bring people back. I know that was something you were interested in mm-hmm. too, because they're characters from shows, uh, these Arrowverse shows who have uh, like actors who've left, mm-hmm. so characters died. I I know when is supposed to come back on Supergirl sometime this season. Not sure if it's Crisis or not, but right. It would be nice to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's of course Doctor Stein. There's mm-hmm. Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are people who are beloved characters who aren't around anymore, and it would be nice to like see them again. Yeah, the Ronnie Raymond Martin Stein version of Firestorm was a big part of the Crisis comic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rip Hunter actually showed up in the comic a few times. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a major character, so mm-hmm. if they don't bring him back, it's not like that screws the story up. Right. But there are folks like that. Um, Oliver Queen was supposed to, in, according to season one of The Flash, Thawne said, you live to be 86 or whatever. Right. So, you know, what? <laughs> I, I think they need to address why that's different. Right. We can't just try to assume that it, oh, Nora did it. I mean, it's, it's right. got to yeah, be gotta something. On camera, tell us right. <laughs> what happened to these people and who to bring in. Right. And Wayne Tech and Queen Consolidate is supposed to merge, but... There's no Bruce Wayne and there's no Queen Consolidated now. Yeah, it's unfortunate that there's no Bruce Wayne in in the universe. They've mentioned him. He he lived in the universe. We just haven't seen him, and we don't know if we'll get to mm-hmm. because of the way. Maybe, I mean, it's only now that the DC has even let them say Batman. <laughs> yeah, there was the episode of Arrow mm-hmm. where Caden uh, James put out the fake picture of Oliver unmasked as, mm-hmm. as Green Arrow. And so the press is asking him about it. And it was a line of, that could be anyone. They faked it. You see, it could be Bruce Wayne. You, you see him <laughs> yeah. running around the rooftops. And so the story behind that was... <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the original was line was like Justin Bieber or something right. like that. So Stephen Amell thought it'd be funnier to say Bruce Wayne, which he's right. Right, right. And so he went to Greg Berlani about it. 
And Greg Berlani <laughs> said, I, th- I think we need to run this up the flagpole. But he's like, you, <laughs> you need to. You, yeah. You go talk. They talk. He talked to the head of Warner Brothers. Right. <laughs> That's how high up the flagpole he had to go. Right. To talk, to just mention something. Just to say the, the name Bruce Wayne. <laughs> they couldn't insane. even say Gotham. Until right. one season of Supergirl. Uh, and even then, they so couldn't annoying. say Batman. <laughs> had, Wynn had to put his fingers up like he's doing baddies. Right. And and so now they've allowed all this stuff, and they've set up this big crisis, and I love it. And they have all these things they're bringing in, and it's it's shaping up to be something truly epic. We don't exactly know how. It's just really, it's a really nice thing to see that they're bringing in all this stuff. They really are pulling all, they got Burt Ward from the original Batman mm-hmm. series. They've got Kevin Connolly from the cartoon Batman. Conroy. Conroy, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Connolly is E from Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be in there too. Uh, Entourage is now in the Arrowverse. No, um, and I, I love that they're finally bringing in Black Lightning mm-hmm. and that he's going to be in scenes with with all these characters I mm-hmm. love so much, and uh, hopefully they're all going to be on the same Earth. And there are two unspecified Black Lightning characters who are supposed to be in it, too. Because mm. when they announced Cress Williams before we ever saw footage, they said it would be three characters. Oh! And so, I hope it's his I daughters, obviously. Yeah. I'm really stoked ab- about it. It starts on December 8th, and I can't watch it live because I have a show that night. Um, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, all oh, well. But uh, I'm really excited about this uh, this overall thing that they're doing. I think they've really, really pulled all the stops. I remember at the end of the last one, was there's so much going on that Stephen Amell, who plays Oliver Queen, was saying, I don't know how they're going to top it next year. <laughs> and then they did this, and it's like, oh, that's how they're topping it. And, uh, you know, so I really think that Berlanti deserves so much credit for what he's pulled off here, and, and hats off to him. And while we're giving our hats off to people, just on a very serious note, it's hard to talk about uh, these shows, in particular Supergirl, and not mention what just happened last week. Melissa Benoist uh, coming out and revealing that she is a survivor of domestic abuse. It's a very harrowing story, very difficult story to hear what happened to her. Uh, But she is a real-life superhero um, Mm -hmm. getting through that surviving through that uh she's an incredibly strong person to make it through that kind of experience that she detailed and uh, to also share it publicly mm-hmm. it takes a lot of bravery mm-hmm. uh and and i stand with melissa and hats As off do to I. her yeah because yeah. i couldn't get past a, a paragraph or two yeah. reading it and, and definitely couldn't watch the video for her when i couldn't get th- any deeper than i did and and she went through all of it lived it lived and came it. out the other right. side right the world's got to do better at, at how we treat people mm-hmm. i mean we got to and we have a lot of really great examples in people like melissa benoist to learn how to be better so with that note we'll end the episode there it is thanks for being on the podcast again trey well thank you for having me and thank you for listening especially you first time listeners you can check out every episode of the podcast on apple podcasts and soundcloud please subscribe and also don't forget to check us out on social media twitter facebook and instagram at there it is pod like and subscribe please and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter is a comedy lifestyle newsletter that goes out every Monday. And we also have a new blog up on the website about 
every comedy festival that you could submit to in the month of December. So check that out. You can find out information about that and how you can support the podcast on thereitispod.com. We have a very fun episode next week with a good friend of ours from the New York magnet scene. The multi-talented Sean Cantatore will be on. I'm so excited. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 